service say Outsiders, how's it going? Wow. <laughs> Welcome to Outside the Mic. I'm Jarrett Weimer. And I'm Martin Meyer. This is a podcast where we banter all matters music. Mostly. You're supposed to you usually say mostly do. Mostly do. <laughs> I, would, I just wanted to see how close I could get it on the end of your sentence. Mostly. Mostly. Mostly we do. That was just a tongue-in-cheek thing, and it became part of our little intro montage intro montage yeah cue in the music yeah this is another mini after our recent episode uh featuring the story of ozzy missing god it feels like it was yesterday right or today or one of these days it seemed didn't it seem like we just did that man it does these Time days is flying. fly by <laughs> crazy well we don't even know what that was called though do we I forgot what that episode was called. Ozzy went missing. I don't yeah. know. Let's just, we don't want to talk about specifics. We okay? don't. Okay. All right. So I said we just jump right into On This Day. Uh, so we've got September 21st, 1961. Jump right in. The Beatles played a lunchtime show Beatles. at the Cavern Club in Liverpool. In the evening, they appeared at Litherland Town Hall in Liverpool with Jerry and the Pacemakers, oh boy, and yeah. Rory Storm and the Hurricanes. Admission price was three shillings. How much is shilling three shillings in in Not US dollars? Not much. Okay, I wouldn't think that. That was obviously uh, what year again? Nineteen fifty-one. You were you were closely wrong. Uh, yeah, closely wrong. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's going to be a new phrase that you've just coined. Thank you. September 21st, 1963, Marty, you'll love this, mm-hmm. Bobby Vinton oh. started a three-week run at number one on the U.S. singles chart with... In 63? Yep. I have no idea. I just blanked out. I don't know. Blue Velvet. Oh, she wore blue velvet. Ooh, ah, ooh. You know that song? I do not. Do you know what's cool about that song? Tell me. I might have to fact check myself, but I'm pretty sure there. Did you ever see the movie Blue Velvet? Nope. Black Velvet. Black Velvet. That's a song. Is it? Yeah. Black. Oh Velvet. yeah. Black Velvet. Na, 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 na. So Blue Velvet, and um, it's David it's David Lynch movie. Okay. And I'm pretty sure it features the Bobby Vinton song. Check it out sometime. It's a really twisted but brilliant movie what's it called stars isabella rossellini and kyle mclaughlin uh mclaughlin i think i'm saying that right it's called blue velvet it was a 1986 american neo-noir mystery thriller film wow i didn't even know there was a genre called neo-noir mystery thrillers but that's one of them and yeah i'm absolutely certain but i might be wrong i could be closely (laughs) incorrect (laughs) on this one that it did feature his song i'm pretty sure it's in there okay Uh, and that may be why it got its title. So Could be. Thank you. September 21st, 1968, Jimi Hendrix Experience released their version of the Bob Dylan song, All Along the Watchtower. Hendrix had been given a tape of Dylan's recording by publicist Michael Goldstein. Dave Mason from Traffic and Rolling Stone's Brian Jones both played on the recording. Cool. 
Sweet. And it was who's recording? <laughs> you never <laughs> listen. I'm just I doing this. No, what happens is I get above. I get towards the end and I'm paying attention to what you said and I'm I'm trying to pay attention to these other names and then I forget what the original one. Okay, focus in. Was. Sixty-eight. Yeah. Yeah. Jimi Hendrix experience. Got it. They recorded the Bob Dylan song all along the Watchtower. Got it. Hendrix listened to a tape of Dylan's. He got it from the publicist Michael Goldstein. Cool. Dave Mason from The Traffic. Got it. Brian Jones. See, there's from... a lot of names to have to remember. So uh, like... <laughs> I may not be able to speak large words, but your attention span is oh, very short. I'm well, and I was looking at Blue Velvet <laughs> for a second there, too. So I, September I 21st, 1974, Barry September White went to number one on the U.S. singles chart with Can't Get Enough of Your Love, Baby. Ooh. The Barry. singer's first and only Barry. U.S. solo chart topper. It made number eight in the U.K. It's the only U.S. solo chart topper. That's what it said, huh? Did you ever see? Did you ever used to watch the Letterman show? Yeah, but probably towards the end, because now it's not David Letterman anymore, right? It's well, he does his interviews now, okay. but it's not the Late Show. Yeah, like it used to be. But he would have Barry White on there on occasion, and it was hilarious. Really? Because it was like they did a segment, <laughs> something like yeah, Dave and Barry go camping. <laughs> and and something something happened, and I just remember this one line pops into my head where it's Barry White going, "Dave, my leg, <laughs> Dave, my leg." It's like he, he got bit by a snake or something like that. Dave, that dude leg. had a deep voice. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. did. You're gonna love this. September twenty first, nineteen eighty five. With the help of heavy MTV exposure. Mm-hmm. Money for Nothing gave Dire Straits their first U.S. number one single. Oh, yeah. I want my MTV. Don't stand so close to me. Beautiful. We talked about that. We've talked about that in the past. Hey, that's a little uh, pre... Uh, it's not... What do you call it? Not a foreshadowing, a backshadowing for you outsiders who didn't hear that episode. <laughs> I don't know which episode it was, but we talked about a little bit of copyright infringement. At this point, we have a whole library of episodes, in case you didn't notice. Feel yeah. free to listen to season one and Holy season smokes. Dos. We got a body of work now that you might not have. If you're listening to this and it's your first episode, then obviously check out some other ones because there's a bunch of them. Right. Let's see. Okay, I've got a couple more here. September 21st, 1985. Yo, girl, Madonna scored her first UK number one album with Like a Virgin. Wow. Like a virgin. Ten months after its release. You hit that high note. Thank you. Good job, Jared. Yeah, I'm pretty good. My wife is pretty impressed most days with my falsetto. I don't know what it is. When I am doing the dishes, I like to sing falsetto. Snort. Yeah. When you're doing the dishes. Yeah. Huh. And she says I'm I'm pretty good. Maybe it's the I have a theory. There it is. <laughs> Your falsetto is, is working. This, it's a lot better than my this time of day. Voice. I have a theory. Maybe it's like when you're doing dishes, you get those little squeaky things, and maybe there's a subconscious thing where you just kind of want to harmonize with the squeaky dishes. The frequency from the squeak is uh-huh. resonating it's, into my mind. It's inspiring you. Oh. <laughs> not when you do it, though. Okay. You're not inspired <laughs> right now? Okay. Okay. All right, let's see. I want to pick a good one here. <laughs> oh, this one's for you, Marty. September 21st, 2007. Mm-hmm. Snoop Doggy Dog. Snoop Dogg. 
Okay. Was sentenced to three years probation and 160 hours of community (laughs) service after pleading guilty to carrying a collapsible baton. What? The rapper was arrested. What if he just wanted to lead a parade? What's wrong with that? A different kind of different kind of baton. We're talking like (laughs) police brutality. I think that is just wrong. Baton. I think you should be able to carry a collapsible baton, but I don't know why that one's for me. Why is that for me? Snoop Doggy Dog. Oh, you like Snoop Dogg. I do. The rapper was arrested in September 2006 after the baton was found in his bag at John Wayne Airport in Orange County, California. Hmm. In April 2007, he was given five years probation and 800 hours community service after pleading non-content, no contest to gun and drug charges in the California court. Whew. Oh, gosh. So it must be because he had it in an airport. That's why. Okay. There there you go. There you go. Okay. Last one. September 21st, 2011. A contract revealing that the Beatles... I just wanted to lead a parade, but I'm sorry. Go ahead. Stay with me now. Yeah. Contract. A contract revealing that the Beatles refused to... The (laughs) Beatles. You're you're not you're going down real quick on this one. A contract revealing that the Beatles refused to perform in front of a segregated audience at the Cow Palace in Daly City, Daly City, Daly City, California, on August thirty first, nineteen sixty five, sold for twenty three thousand thirty three twenty three thousand and thirty three dollars at an auction in Los Angeles. Wow. In addition to the desegregation clause, the contract guaranteed the band 40,000 and at least 150 police officers to provide security at the show. Good. You're saying good, but the Beatles refused to perform in front of a segregated audience. So that's, I mean, that's a good thing. That is good. Yeah. They were, they did not The fact that they're making a ton of money off of that I guess oh, they're selling it for a lot of money. Who, so they're dumb. the ones that sold it. I guess so. Let's let let me read that. It's at an auction, so I'm guessing it's probably not the Beatles. I'm guessing somebody else got their hands on it, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then sold it at auction. But no, I like, and I remember hearing about that. That uh, yeah, they did not obviously want to condone or support segregation, and sure. especially with their shows. It's like mix it up, people. Mix it we up. We are all humans. We are the members of the human race. Let's rock. Thank you. I scroll down to Born on this day, and I'm just going to do this. Born on this day, September 21st, 1934, just for you. Leonard Cohen, Canadian singer, songwriter, musician, painter, poet, and novelist. Cohen is a companion of the Order of Canada, the nation's highest civilian honor. He wrote Hallelujah, which was first released on Cohen's studio album, Various Positions, in 1984, which is covered by John Cale. Which, per- which formed the basis for a later cover by Jeff Buckley. Hallelujah. Lots of people have covered that song, but I love Jeff Buckley's version. Cohen died on November 7th, 2016 at the age of 82 at his home in Los Angeles. You know, there's a little bit of uh, speculation and um, enigmatism. <laughs> really? <laughs> I don't think I, I used that correctly, but around Jeff Buckley's death? No, tell me more. Jeff Buckley drowned, apparently. Mm. And this is all I know for now. Another one of those things where it's like, I probably don't have a right even venturing into this right now because I don't have enough information. But I do know that he, they were somewhere on tour. He was uh, out enjoying nature and he had gone down to take a swim (laughs) and he just disappeared. 
And really? the, I guess the story goes that he probably got pulled in by a strong current. I don't think there was, um, you know, a lot of drinking or drug use involved necessarily. Mm. But I may have to. Here we go. I'm, you know, I've gotten away from the <laughs> focusing much on deaths. And here you are right back to it. But you did mention that uh, how Cohen had died or when he died yeah and then you mentioned jeff buckley and it made me think about it but there was some speculation that maybe there was some foul play i may have mentioned involved. it but where did your mind go initially foul play no, i just kept thinking of how sad it was because his career was cut so short and do you do, have you heard the jeff buckley version of hallelujah probably not okay you might have to check that out i think okay. it's the first time i ever heard the song was the jeff buckley version and that song has, that's a song we should have mentioned for a lot of lyrics. Oh, Hallelujah talk, does yes, have a lot of lyrics. Yes. And not mm. only that, I mean, I performed it several times. Uh, there are several different versions, too. Mm. There's a Christmas version. There's an Easter version. There's a version for veterans. There's all kinds oh. where the lyrics are changed. They don't compare to Leonard Cohen's version with those right. lyrics. Those are brilliant. But... I mean, there's a ton of different versions of, of Hollywood. And is Cohen credited with all of the lyrics for all of those? I'd be, I don't know if he's credited for the lyrics, but obviously he's a co-writer on all of those because yeah. he wrote the music. Yeah. So. what I, I wonder if there is... I can't think of another song that has been that used in that many different applications. Can you? I mean, that just seems crazy. And has been covered and converted so many times in various ways yeah so. and it, you almost have to we're gonna dive into a little theory here you almost have to look at the progression it's the perfect chord progression oh yeah right yeah it's what bounces back and forth between the one and the six c mm-hmm. a minor c then he goes to the four f in the major fifth g yeah the minor falls is back to A minor, right? Yeah, so it's kind of it, it's with the major, and then it goes into the minor as well. Yeah, I mean, it just sets up minor. for yeah. a beautiful, beautiful melody. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and, but very and yet very diatonic. Very. Which, if we have not mentioned that word before, and for those of you who do not do not who donut who do not donut eat music. <laughs> <laughs> Play music. Diatonic just means you start in one key and you stay in that key the whole time. You don't actually switch to another key. But um, that is a beautiful, beautiful progression, beautiful song. Isn't that something? And it's not super complex. No. You know, but lyrically, obviously, there's there's a lot of words. There is. Yeah. There is. Words. That's all I got for This Day in Music. You can always check out more on thisdayinmusic.com. Thank you, Jarrett, for that. And speaking of words for songs, we were just going to touch a little bit on something we talked about in the last episode. So that was a perfect segue. I keep wanting to just do this deep, because you mentioned Barry White. Barry White. I think now I'm trying to don't sound like Barry White. I like when he does his, yeah, baby, you know it, you won't like it like that. <laughs> I don't think we can get low enough. I can't even do Barry Manilow right now. Dave. My leg, my leg, Jarrett, my leg, my leg. I hurt my leg. Maybe we should do that skit sometime that they did. See I think we, we should do just a just a voice over for that leg. I think we should do that. We'll have to look yeah. that up. I'm sure we can find it. The songs that we were discussing, and I'm not. Oh, because you brought up Little Richards. Um, and if I had really been on top of it, I would know what that one was exactly. It's a wop, bop, a loo, bop, a bop, bamboo. Yeah. A wop, bop, a loo, bop, a bop, bamboo. A tutti-frutti. 
Tutti Frutti. Oh, Rudy. Oh, Rudy. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That's what it was. Yeah. So we were talking about songs that used scat, and we looked up some, and in fact, you looked up some, and we found out there's quite a few. And the originators, uh, and forgive me if I don't give credit to whoever the ultimate originator is of the scat lyric, but I know there was some folks like uh, Cab Calloway, Mm. And he was the one I was trying to think of, and I still actually didn't peg the song that was going through my head at the time. But there is a song by Cab Calloway called The Scat Song. Pretty cool. Do you That's think I should play little tiny tidbits? I just mean, we play, don't just go play tidbits. little titty bits. We'll yeah. just do it. <laughs> play them little titty bits. <laughs> I'm just, just going to play a little titty My bit. wife and I were just talking about... I, this is way off, but my wife and I were just talking about... Uh, I don't even want to mention it. How do you say it? In country songs, they talk about, um, man. You can do it, buddy. I'm, tra- I'm behind you all. <laughs> behind you the whole way. Little bitties or whatever. Uh, no, let me just. Uh, anyways, I'm, I'll look this up. Okay. We'll talk, since we talked about. <laughs> Little. In country little bitties. Here's, oh, no, here's they flip little, the okay. Let me but I'm gonna do my little titty titty bit. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're gonna now have to reclassify this mini episode. Oh Lord. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Talk about scatting. Well <laughs> Okay. Well, we forgive us, folks. Forgive oh. us, outsiders. We we uh, if we can't laugh, then the I don't know what yeah, we're doing here. Here we go with scat. While you're looking that up, a little <laughs> bit of scat. Really, okay. just... a lot of trumpet scatting. Improv. If you feel like shouting, He's not even scatting right here. He's letting the instrument scat. Yeah, that's good scatting. With that. Maybe this one's public domain by now. <laughs> I can just keep playing it. Oh, here we go. When you face the preacher, oh, scat. I mean, cab. Whoa, that was pretty cool. It sounded like the trumpets were talking there or something. Well, we didn't hear him scat. <laughs> it was called the scat song. But hold on, you're just checking another one. It's all the, I think it's just more of an improv with instruments, it sounds like. There we go. That's what I was looking for. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Cab had to be one of the kings of scat. That yeah. reminded me of Louis Prima. Okay. Uh, do you know who Louis Prima is? No. Louis Prima did the soundtrack for uh, the uh, the long. Oh, what is the Disney one? Now we're both forgetting <laughs> stuff with the bare necessities. Oh, Jungle bear, Book. Jungle Book. Yeah. He did that soundtrack, and he did some really cool scat, and I think on that one too. You had mentioned when we were discussing it that Mel Torms. <laughs> okay, so I said his last name wrong. Shoot me. I'm sorry. I just had to bring that up. Uh, <laughs> Mel Torme has a song called Bernie's Tune. So these are back in the days of when it was really more of like the stand jazz standard kind of stuff. These crooners and these. Gat improvisers. We're doing some cool stuff. Here's a little bit of Mel Torme on Bernie's tune. Let's just listen to a little of that. We're really going to get nailed for copyright on that. Yeah. These songs might be old enough to where maybe they're, I don't know, maybe they become public domain. Whatever. 
Sweet. Nice. Okay, so now, Jarrett... He also plays off of the intensity of his, you know, starting... He does that. That's cool. What's that called? Yeah. Um... Sustain, yeah, <laughs> vibrato. There you go. You know, he was uh, there was some nicknames. I think he was called like the Velvet something. Mel Torme had a really smooth voice, and I know Nat King Cole did some of that too. Uh, these guys were uh, obviously kind of the innovators, but you know, as we were looking into this, it it got me to thinking. We've been talking a lot about the whole lyric thing. This has kind of been a theme. We talked about songs with least amount of lyrics, songs with the most amount of lyrics. Now we're talking about songs with just scat and improv lyrics. Then there are songs with like made up words in them oh, too. And okay. we had mentioned that before with the police. We had, I don't know if that that's kind of a scat. We did the bad, obviously. And then there's do 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 da 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 is all I want to say to you. A little police action there because I like the police. So I looked up two songs with made up words in them. And there's just a couple to chew on a little bit. Abacab is a made-up word by Genesis. Oh, Genesis. And I believe Abacab was the, had something to do with the chord progression, A-B-A-C-A-B. Oh, wow. So Abacab, they, yeah. yeah. called Abacab. You remember that song? No. Is it anywhere? Abacab. There was another made-up word by Red Hot Chili Peppers. They made up Californication. Californication. Yeah. Right on. And then the biggest made-up word, well, and it made me think of going all the way back to Disney, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. See, there yeah, we go. Yeah, 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 yeah. This has been a, uh, really, more of a, I guess, a feature or a tool for, for lyrics and yeah. for songwriting, I guess, than yeah. I ever realized. Isaac Hayes had a word. And I'm going to try to listen to this because I have no idea how I'm going to pronounce this, but it's hyperbolic syllabisequidalamistic. Man. Far out, brother. And uh, let's see how Isaac said that. Live ah, we got an ad. I'm going to have to skip the ad. Well, you while go, you're skipping you, yeah. that ad, back to my unintelligent little yeah. <laughs> rant here. The other day, my wife and I, we were listening to this song. It was a country song. And we just realized how much we hate the phrase... Tiggle biddies. Tiggle biddies. Okay, I've never heard that phrase. It's, and hate's an awfully strong word. Yeah, but it means okay. big old titties. But oh, it's backwards. Tiggle biddies. Like a country bitties. song. You got to dig old biddies. That's just, ugh, that's just gross. To me, that's just, <laughs> shut up, country boy. That's what I want to say. Tiggle oh, biddies. Oh, tiggle biddies. That's what you were trying to think That's of. what I was trying to think of. Okay. <laughs> Oh, Some man. Dig old biddies. I, I, and I have not heard that term before. And well, I not, you're, I'm sorry to hinder your life like that. But. Well, you know what? I don't think it'll get... It's, it won't be like an earworm for me. Well, that's good. For me. For, for me. me. My wife gave me a hard time. She gives me a hard time once in a while. I you think, are from the Midwest. It's well, okay. Well, you know, you get you pick up a little bit of colloquialism. Colloquialism? Colloquialism. I think it's like, it's a flare of like local cultural kind of things that, like if it's a phrase or a word. Like South Dakota. Yeah, Dakota. Like pier, that would be a colloquial thing. Is that we say pier and everybody else thinks it should be pierre. They're probably right. Yeah, that's the way it should be. And and Belfouche should probably be Belfouche. 
Well, and here's a little bit of Isaac Hayes with his hyperbolic syllable mystic song. That's as close <laughs> as I can say. But here is how it's pronounced. That's too cool. Hyperbolic syllabus sequidalamistic. I'm getting a little better at it the more I look at it. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. Still can't really say it completely, though. So that wraps up our. That wraps it up. Mini episode here on Outside the Make. The. Let me say that whole thing again. This is going to be a well known one for sure. Wait. Okay. Go ahead. You say that again. And that wraps us up here on Outside the Mic for our mini episode. Yeah, and thank you for sharing your tiggle bitties <laughs> <laughs> with me too today. Anytime, Marty. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, Outsiders. Be sure to check us out on OutsideTheMic.com. YouTube, look on Outside the Mic on all your favorite podcast streaming platforms. And as always, like and share. Thanks, thanks. Outsiders. Thanks.